So tonight, uh, well, actually, you know what? I want to ask you guys. Anyone here want to change the world? I do. <laughs> you know, there's a lot that could use changing, isn't there? There are some, I just look around. Sometimes it can be depressing if you read the newspaper and you see some of the things that are going on. The heartache that is in the world is horrific. You know, you think about the shooting in Aurora, Colorado, and just... There's hurt everywhere. That, that was just hideous and, and horrifying and disturbing. And so where do we find peace in that? In looking around the world and at seeing people hurt. And I mean, think about all of the things that you would like to change in this world. The things that, you know, have gone wrong. Um, and I really feel passionately about the fact that every single one of us can. Because doesn't it get daunting sometimes you look at the world's problems and you go, what can I do? It's just too much. It's just too big. There's hurt everywhere. I feel powerless. I feel too small. I can't do anything. But I believe with, with all my heart, and I'm passionate about this because of where my life and my history, because I, you know... You know, I had a rough, rough time in life starting off. Came from a horrible, abusive family. And I see people around me that have suffered like that as well. And coming out of that, I, I believe with all of my heart that it's because of Jesus that I am healed. I, my life changed, and I knew it changed from the moment that I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord. I felt something inside change within me, and I knew my life would never be the same. And so ever since that time, I have to say, I have been passionate about doing what I could to let people come to know him, to change the world. I believe that you and I can change the world. We really can, one life at a time. And that's what I want to talk about, because we've been doing this Love Pay It series, uh, Love Pay It Forward series for, this is the eighth week, and this will be the last week. And I want desperately as we're going through some of the scriptures tonight, that you would leave being committed to not wanting this tie in your heart. You know, where you get that it's a big deal, where you get that you can make a difference and that it matters, and that the world is hungry and desperate and hurting, and that you and I can make a difference. You know, I was thinking about, and then before we get into this, um, Frederick Douglass is sort of my hero next to, G you know, there's Jesus and Frederick Douglass, I think, is um, <laughs> my other hero in life. And Frederick Douglass was born a slave. So talk about being, having a really rough start in life. He was born a slave in the United States in the South. He, when he was a young boy at five years old, traded his food for pages of the Bible and to learn how to read and became someone with an incredible passion and love for God and for the scripture. And he believed because it was God's will and he saw in scripture that people could be free and should be free because of God's command that as a slave, he saw a vision and believed that God was big enough to do it. And he, he could, I mean, I think about, he led the emancipation of the slaves. He became an ambassador to the United States. He was the first man that spoke up for women's rights in any prominence. 
incredible person. But what would have happened if he thought, who am I? I'm born a slave. What can I do? I'm just one person. I can't make a difference. It's too big. This is impossible. Because wouldn't have the task have looked impossible to him at that time? Given where he had come from, he had everything against him. And some of his speeches are some of the most powerful, moving, you know, articulate speeches I've ever read in my life. The man's vocabulary was unbelievable. He was a powerful, moving speaker. He was intelligent. And his basis for what he believed was in the Bible of believing that it was the will of God for all people to be free and that God would back his endeavor. And he committed himself to doing everything within his power that he could do. I believe that it's the will of God for all of us to be free, for men and women everywhere to be free in, in our hearts and our emotions from the bondage, from the bondage of coming from family systems that might not have been loving or supportive or from not getting advantages or for whatever hurt people have come from that have caused them to be enslaved or in bondage, that it's the will of God for everyone to be free. And I, for one, when I look at the hurt around me, can't stop, stand by, and be idle about it. So... Each one of us has the power to change the world one life at a time. Every single one of us has the power to do that if we say yes to that. I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 9, which is one of my first, or one of my most um, favorite scriptures, sections of scriptures. It lives in my heart and moves me every single time. I will never, ever, ever, I just don't believe that the flame could go out in my heart about this section of scripture because this is the heart of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 9, and in verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So I want to break this down a little bit because... one of the things to know about is that Jesus, everywhere he went, he healed every disease and sickness. There was not, you cannot read in in the Bible anywhere that Jesus turned someone away for healing, that he said that that's not for you. Jesus, his desire was for everybody to be healed and everyone that came to him he healed I believe that that's still true today that Jesus can and is willing to heal every person that wants healing and comes to him in that it says in verse 36 when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and I want to look at this, too, because the, I, years ago I looked up the word compassion for a more specific definition, and it, said, it says, it's a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress a lot, together with a desire to alleviate it. It's a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress 
together with a desire to alleviate it. So there's two parts here. It's noticing that people are hurting. Part of this is just opening our eyes beyond our lives to see that there are others around us that are hurting. He's looking, it says, in this instance, he's looking at the crowds. These are not people he knows. They're not people he's friends with, and he's noticing that there's hurt. These are strangers. He's, I, I think about this too. How often do we look around at the world and see the hurt? See it and want to do something about it. Those are the two ingredients. We want to open our eyes to see that there are people around us hurting everywhere. That was his vision. You, you know, that he looked at the crowds and noticed that they were hurting and wanted to do something about it. He had a desire. He had... I also see that the way that he looked at them, it says because they were harassed and helpless, he didn't look at them and say, because they were evil sinners and he was disgusted by how they were stuck in sin, by how screwed up they were. He didn't, the, the, the heart when he saw people, because that's what he's seeing, I'm sure he's seeing people that are stuck in a lot of ugly, nasty stuff. But when he's seeing it, he's saying his heart is stirred with compassion, saying they're harassed and helpless. So think about what that is. Like sheep without a shepherd. And sheep was something that everybody during you know, Bible times could really relate to because they were you know, everywhere. And there were some distinctive characteristics about sheep. Sheep were pretty defenseless. Just, they're defenseless creatures. They're not left alone. They can't do squat. Like, you know, wolf comes along, sheep. There's like, what do they get? What's a sheep really going to do by himself against a wolf or against any of, you know, the harsh? Uh, they're definitely a domesticated animal. You know, they're not exactly great in the wild all by themselves. They don't do well. So he's looking at the sheep as being, he's looking at people and saying, they're defenseless. They don't got anything to fight back with to take care of themselves for protection. How many of us at some point of our lives had nobody there for us? We're not protected. We're not fought for. Nobody to take care of us. We're like sheep that were harassed and helpless at one time. I definitely was. So he's seeing that and saying he's not criticizing them because their, their lives are full of sin and they're, oh, they're prostitutes or drug addicts or whatever the heck it is. He's going, wow, these people are hurting. They don't have a shepherd. He's not looking at them going, get your act together, folks. He's saying, he's just looking at these people going, they don't have a shepherd. Because the shepherd would be the one that would stave off the wolves, that would give them direction, that would give them protection, that would care for them and provide for them. That was the role of the shepherd to do. And so his heart would weld up within him to look at people and wanted to do something about it. We want to have a heart. I want to have a heart to notice. I don't want to be blind to those hurting around me. I don't want to just be all full of my own stuff and my own needs that I'm not aware of the fact that there's lots of people surrounding me that, that need help. And then it says, 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The truth is, and I want, I want you to get this, I believe this, there are not people sitting out there that don't want to know about Jesus and that are all stubborn. There's way more people that want to know. The harvest is plentiful. There, the, he's talking about the fact that there's so many people out there that need help, that are harassed and helpless, that are hurting, that need the shepherd, Jesus Christ, that need his guidance, that need his direction, that need his protection. But there's hardly anybody standing up to say, yes, I want to help. We want to pray for this, guys. We need, the world needs, this should be in our prayer every day. Lord, send us more laborers into the harvest. You know, we want people that say, yes, I want to make a difference. I don't want to just stand around and, and, and live a life of self-centeredness. I want to make a difference because I want to pass on. That's the love pay it forward of receiving his love and saying, I can't keep this to myself. I want to do all that I can to share this with other people. If you've been healed, you know, there's others like us that, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget, to forget where you came from, forget what life was like before knowing Jesus. So we want to pray, we want to ask for more workers into the harvest. Um, let's go to uh, Luke 4. Um, there are kind of, the, the second thing that I want to kind of focus on and take us back to in, in kind of a review as we're ending this series We've covered a lot, a lot of things. But have you noticed that maybe, I know for, like, since we've been doing the series, have you noticed any movement in your life, you know, about, about sharing with others, about making a difference? I, I have. I've definitely growing in it. But, you, but it's not something that's going to come automatically. It's something that you have to have a, if you have a desire to do it and to make a difference, you have to set different patterns in your life. And because this is the end of the series, what I want to really leave you with is a determination not to let this die. That you want to just go, I don't ever want to lose the fire to make a difference. I don't want to. Now the series is over. Go back to life as usual. Because I think after eight weeks, in some ways, you know, maybe there's been some movement. Maybe there could be some more as far as making it a lifestyle. I think it could be for me. You know, I was really surprised, actually, when we, uh, the leadership team did this thing in uh, January when we had our retreat because we talked about the fact that the church, as a church, we really needed to build evangelism more in our DNA, which it wasn't how it, how it should be. You know, and I was sort of shocked because I always think, oh, I'm an evangelist. I, I share the gospel. I share the gospel. I think of myself that way. But I think as I've gotten more involved in, in serving the church in this capacity, I think I've let a lot, I, I had let a lot of that drop off because I got involved in all these other things and in trying to 
you know, serve and pastor and do that and, you know, work with leadership and all those other things that I had lost the habits that I had had to be reaching the lost, to be caring for the lost. So when we had our leadership meeting in January, we had made this commitment that we were going to invite five people a week to church. And I thought, oh, surely this would be easy for me. Well, not so much. You know, it was just sort of like, I was like, wow, this is really stretching me that I need to make. And I started realizing how much it had not become a pattern in my life to be thinking all the time about speaking up. And that all of a sudden I'm starting to notice there are way more people around me that actually are have an interest. I think I, um, like I did a lot of invitations to the summer retreat, so I think we got 10 people coming or something from my class. <laughs> or, or whatever, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's, but it was, but I haven't been doing that, you know, so it's just sort of like, wow, people want answers, people want help around me, but I'm just not speaking up, you know, I'm being too, you know, worrying about what people think of me or what have you, so that, I was definitely convicted by that, so part of this is, as we leave this teaching series is to get to the place that we still want to build it as a discipline and as a habit, and there's two things I want to look at, but first let's look at, um, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. This is the, the section that we started with um, about let love drive you forward and the section on the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse, where am I? Oh, 14. For Christ's love compels us or drives us forward because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So we see a couple things here. One is that it's his love that drives us forward. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's not feeling of obligation. It's that we feel so loved by him that that drives us forward to want to make a difference. And that it's kind of funny because this whole thing of of God saying that we don't want to live for ourselves, but live for him who, who, who died for them and was raised again. You know, a, God is paradoxical. We're going to actually talk about that this weekend, too. Some of the things of God are paradoxical. Where if, how is it that your life is better living not for you, but for Jesus? It doesn't look like that would make sense. You know, in, but when you give to God... You can't give. You can't outgive God. But truly, your life gets better, and you don't actually lose anything. Um, in verse sixteen, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So there's, so there's a ton of stuff here, but our calling, God has called every single person, has given each one of us the ministry of bringing back together other people with Jesus. We're, we're the matchmakers, meeting people, don't know Jesus, maybe walked away from Jesus, not having a relationship, but we all have the ministry or the calling to reconcile people back to Jesus, to bring them back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says that as you are in Christ, as you're walking in Christ, 
then you, you become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I, I, I told you guys a few weeks ago, but um, the day that I got saved, that was one of the verses that Jesus showed me about my life and my history. And so that verse lives for me a lot, that I know that no matter what anybody's been through, there is never, there is never somebody that's so far gone that if they, if, if they want to come to Jesus for healing, that they can't be healed. It doesn't matter what you've been through or how far gone or how extreme or, you know, what have you. I had a lot of shame about my past and about my history in my abuse and it just felt like a dark cloud. And yet I read this scripture and it was a promise that said that if you're in Christ, you know, if you're in Christ, this verse, it just knocks me out. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Every person, you or I or anybody else, gets to be a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come is whatever it is. That does, whatever the past is does not have to hold you back, does not have to keep you a slave, does not have to keep you a, past, a, a, a captive in any way, shape, or form. Jesus Christ has the ability to heal all. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now what's interesting is, Two of the aspects that I want to talk to you about to think about leaving with as far as developing habits are pray and invite. Those are two habits we want to build. You cannot make somebody believe. You can't force that on anybody. It's not going to work anyway. But everybody can invite and everybody can pray. This particular verse right here where it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And it says God, as if God were making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through you and me. He sent you and me to be the people to appeal, to send the message of, of him and what he's done. It says we implore you or beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love this. It's asking. Implore is to ask, but it's kind of begging asking. I'm not above begging. <laughs> hey, if it's going to help somebody... To come to know Jesus and have their life change, I, I'd beg. It's a loving beg. It's a pleading. It's, a, it's kind of like a, please, just give it a chance to come to know Jesus. What have you got to lose? You've, you know, to give, to give him a try. You know, what could you possibly have to lose to at least try having a relationship with Jesus, to seek him, to find out what he has available it says, to be reconciled or brought back together with God. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right now we are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ on earth, 
you know, he could only be in one place at one time. We are all representing him right now. We get to be on a mission from God and rep Jesus Christ. There's a, you know, it's kind of, it's, why would, you know, it's funny, like God did this for many purposes. For one, everybody here has a very special way of communicating Jesus and what he's done in your way, in your gifts, in your experience. Everybody's called in a way to make a difference. Maybe there's people that are hurting out there that only, like, who you are and your gifts are so specially designed to meet the needs of that person or to, to bless them or to help them to know his love. And I want to read a poem. It was written by Teresa of Avila in uh, 1515, somewhere around there. It says, Christ has no body. It says, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks. Compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. We are sent to be his ambassadors, to represent him, to represent his love, to represent his compassion. The world is dark out there. There are people playing it forward, paying it forward with the darkness and hurt. Hurt people hurt people. How many people have had screwed up lives and been abused and had somebody treat them badly and are paying it forward to somebody else with the abuse? There's enough of that going on. Let's stop it. Let's you and I say no and stop that chain from happening and pay forward the love. Let's be representatives of Jesus here on earth. Let's be his hands. Let's be his eyes of compassion. We saw the video when, when Patty did the teaching on entropy that neutral isn't neutral. If you do not choose to help someone, it doesn't not hurt someone. You know, you see somebody hurting and you walk on by, it doesn't not have an effect. And then she played the video, which I really loved. Maybe we should put it up on the Searchlight Facebook page. You know the video where it's a real thing, where everybody was saying, I invited so-and-so, and they invited so-and-so, and they invited so-and-so. There's one person Invite, this one guy invited his sister, and his sister invited people. And there were, I don't know how many, but that just from one person getting invited, there were like 100 people reached. We want to be in a place where we're inviting people, but you know what? We want to also be teaching others to give. We want to be paying it forward, but also teaching others to pay it forward. You know, to give it out, to give a gift. You know the whole concept of pay it forward? It started with, well, I think there's some debate a little bit about who it started with, but I, I, one of the founding fathers, I can't remember if it was Benjamin, I think it was Benjamin Franklin or one of the guys, one of those early founding father guys was very big. Uh, he, he did the pay it forward thing where he 
uh, somebody had borrowed money from him, and when they went to go repay it, he said, no, I want you to loan it to another good fellow that deserves it, you know, and with the provision that they in turn also, instead of paying you back, that they pay it forward. And so, he's, and so he said that he was being sneaky and having his little bit of money just do all kinds of different people good. That's what this is. We want to pay it forward, and guess what? We want to be aggressively telling others that that's where the blessing is for them, too. You know, we want to be teaching people to give and to pay it forward and to make a difference, and that we can. Um, we are ambassadors for him. Let me go to another one, so uh, Colossians 4. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, oops. Sorry, I'm turning a little bit slowly. Ephesians 4, so we want two things we want to build as a habit. If they're not a habit for you right now, they're not quite, maybe you made some movement during this series. I just want to urge you to be committed to building this as a lifestyle and a habit for you. Because it'll not only change your life, but change a whole lot of others as well. But the two things is that we want to really be a habit with this is to pray and invite. Pray and invite. Pray for open doors and invite like crazy. You don't have no control over what people say as far as whether they say yes or not. But people have free will. We want to at least give them a chance. Don't try and figure it out ahead of time. It, we want to at least give people the chance to have the healing that we've received. In, in Colossians 4 and verse 2, oops, I'm in the wrong place. Um, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Here, uh, bearing one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called. Uh, wait, did I go? No, I'm sorry, I'm not in Colossians, I'm in Ephesians. I'm like, that does not sound like the verse I want to read, but nice verse, though. Philippians, <laughs> come I mean, Did you guys go to Ephesians, or did I say Ephesians and just... I, you guys went to Colossians, and I just somehow went to Ephesians. Okay, Thanks. Colossians 4 and verse 2, we'll be talking about the body this weekend. I was like, well, it sounds like it's going somewhere that we want to go. In Colossians 4 and verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer and being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We kind of talked about that during the grace thing. But I want to talk about the idea of making it a lifestyle of praying for open doors. If you're not now, to just make it like daily, to just ask, wake up and ask the Lord in your car on your way to work, Lord, show me open doors. Help show me who's harassed and helpless. Give me eyes of compassion. Let me be your eyes, Lord, to have the compassion to look at the world around me and see those that are lost, see those that are hurting and want to do something about it, that I would notice and care. We want to pray for that. 
So the two things, again, in building a habit, if it is not a habit for you right now to pray for open doors and to be inviting on a regular basis, then guess how you fix that? <laughs> what the formula, which we're going to be talking about as far as accomplishing all kinds of things with our vision this weekend, is get some help. Until something's a habit, get some help. So what I would like to invite you to do as a challenge, because you know we've been doing all these challenges as your closing challenge, if you do not already have it as a habit to pray and invite, to find a partner this week, that you can make a commitment to once a week, pray and talk about open doors with one another. Have a buddy in this, in reaching out. You know, anybody up for making a commitment to get a buddy this week? It's fun. You guys can pray with one another just once a week. Just If you can make that a habit of just for five or ten minutes, pray, talk about, hey, how did it go this week? Did you meet anybody? And be talking about it as far as who are the harassed and helpless. You know, did you see people around you that had needs? Did you speak up when you saw it? You know, and if not, with your buddy, you guys can pray. You can help one another. You can encourage one another. Because the Bible gives us one another in the body of Christ so that it can be iron sharpening iron. So if there's something that we're not doing that we can get help and support. and we're, God's will is not for us to do this lone wolf and figure it all out by ourselves. Whatever it is that you need to build in your life, if it's not a lifestyle now, Get some help, get a buddy, get some, you know, to be in it together. So this is it, guys, week eight. This is, the world is hurting. We see it in the newspaper, we see it with friends. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen some of the things that we've been hurt by. And we've seen healing. We've received healing. But God's also in his economy is as we share it, and as we give it, we receive more. Whatever it is that you want more of, give it. You want more God, give it. You want more money, give it. <laughs> you know? Give. You know, it's just, again, it's paradoxical. Paradoxical. <laughs> but, but give what it is. I do not ever want to get to the place where I'm dull to the people hurting around me. Let's get where we notice, where we care, and we want to do something about it. Yes, the, the hurts of the world can be overwhelming, but why not do what we can? If you and I do that and spread the word and get others to do that, we can change the world one life at a time. It's better than doing nothing. Well, that's the other option, really? I'd rather take out every person I can from the devil's kingdom and bring them to Jesus. Whatever I can do, go rip those babies out of the devil's kingdom and his clutches and out of his destructive hurt and how he's destroyed so many people. We can make a difference. It will make a difference. It's not that it doesn't have an effect. Every person that gets healed, it impacts others. It makes an impact. It, it, you know, it makes a difference. So I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, help us to stay inspired, to not go dull, to not, not care, to not be calloused. Help our hearts to feel alive and to care and be engaged in life. And Jesus, that we could have 
your compassion, that it truly help us, that it is your eyes behind our eyes, that we can look at the multitudes, that we can look at the crowds with the compassion that you have with yours. Help us to see through your eyes. How do you see these people? They might be strangers. Maybe we don't know them, but to care and to reach out and to make a difference, Lord. Help us to have your love and your compassion that we want to help, that we can't just stand idly by, but we have to do what we can. We can at least ask. All we can do is make it available. All we can do is invite. Help us to set patterns in our life that we are praying for open doors, that we care that this is something that lives in our hearts and in every part of our bodies and in our being. Because truly it's in you that makes life meaningful in every part of our lives. You have healed us. You have set us free. You have healed me, Lord. I will never, ever forget how much my life has changed and the miracle that you've wrought in my life to have it be what it is and from the darkness that, that you've brought it from. And, there's, and, and, and everyone here, too, has, knows what it's like, knows what your healing is like and has tasted that. Help us to pass it on, Lord, and to care. Um, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.